0: From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online Online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander.
1: Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. on my friends. Call me Bill. And you're online with Bill Alexander here at italknet.com and also at pghtalkradio.com. Hope everything's going fine for you on this beautiful day. Actually, it's a nice day in southwestern Pennsylvania, a little bit humid. But it's better than the alternative, I guess. Anyhow, on the phone line today, we have a guest that we've had on the program many a times. The last time she was here was in January. If I remember correctly, it was January 12th, to be exact. On the line right now, we have Anna vaccino Anna, how are you doing this evening or this afternoon doing, or whatever time of the day I'm it is? I'm doing
2: wonderfully well, William Eric Alexander. <laughs> well,
1: I'm glad. You know, I like
2: to use... I like to use your Christian name.
1: I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're having a good day. Well,
2: it's better now. It's better now that we're chatting. Let's be honest.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. That makes me feel a little bit better. Um, Just to let you guys know out there, and I told Anna this last night, this, this is going to be the last program I do for Online with Bill Alexander due to some reasons, mainly because no one's really listening anymore. I have a lot of competitors out there and decided now's the time to just step Away quietly, which maybe that's not what I'm doing right now. But uh, let other people take over because I've noticed in the last oh three or four months that the listenership has pretty much dropped in half. And with that happening, there's uh, other programs out there that people are getting information from, and that's perfectly fine. So uh, it's it's time for me to bow out for a uh, for a period of time, maybe short, maybe long. We'll see what happens. So anyhow, and enough for of me-
2: everybody left listening. We love you.
1: Well, thank you. You talking to me or the ones listening?
2: <laughs> the ones listening. Oh, thanks. I love you too, but come on. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't quit you. I keep coming on your shows.
1: I know you do. You're, you're, the, you're the high point of the program. That's why I had you back for the last <laughs> one. That you are <laughs> able to put up with me, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> so what have you been up to since I talked to you in January?
2: Well, I uh, finally – well, listen. You know that I launched my own line of marinara sauce. Yes. And now I have launched two additional flavors, and uh, we just got secured distribution here in Southern California. So we're onboarding with that. And I realized that, like, you know, when you're used to working in the entertainment industry and everything moves so quickly, working in grocery is literally the opposite. Oh, really? And so I, I feel like I'm learning an entire new, t- entirely new industry and building this brand, and uh, it, it, so I, I've been doing that. And it's honestly, it's way more minutia than any human should do. So <laughs> I have mad respect for anybody who's built a food brand. I am really learning a lot.
1: Well, that uh, to me that's impressive that you have enough uh, ambition, desire, and stick to itiveness to actually do it when you ran into those uh, certain obstacles. Now, a question I have right now, because we're hearing on the news that there is an issue with uh, produce not being able to get it because there's a shortage. Now I don't know if it's a shortage in the field or if they're not being able to get it to transport it where it needs to go. Have you run into that issue yet?
2: There are supply chain issues all over the place. For a while it was glass, couldn't get glass, And then I realized that was the industry to be in, manufacturing glass jars, because everybody, every food producer I know was trying to find that stuff. And then uh, sometimes it's a delay in tomatoes, which I manufacture three flavors of tomato sauce. So (laughs) tomatoes are very important to what I do. And then that will come through. And or you just find another guy who's maybe got a pallet somewhere. And uh, it's kind of a. It's a balancing act. And then you've got to, oh, and then corrugated because we have to get the box. You have to put it in boxes. Right. You can't make jars and have them floating around. They will all break. And so, you know, getting corrugated, that price has doubled. And then things like j- just the fuel surcharges have gone up from the shipping. And what's interesting to me is that, that, that we've all as a nation collectively become very spoiled with what Amazon has done, having instant, almost instantaneous delivery. Yes, for very little dollars
0: mm-hmm.
2: has made it where if you're not using Amazon and mm-hmm. you have to actually charge a customer for shipping, it's a lot. It's a big ask. People don't want to pay for that, but it's expensive. So it, it's, a, it's a juggling act of figuring it all out and not very glamorous, but still very fun. And, and you know, we had some openings like uh, grocery and stuff is opening here. So I was I got to do my first food demo in Pasadena Uh, two weeks ago and actually see people and give people a hug and like feed people the food and cook for them. And it was really nice to like be out there doing that. I'm still doing voiceover for NBC. That's an everyday thing. And just, I, I, I keep busy and I feel like, I feel like with most things, here's the thing about entrepreneurship. The things that come up are just, you know, obstacles enough. But if you were to look back over it and go, would i do that again i Mm -hmm. don't know you know what i mean like it's just enough of a pain in the butt where you're like okay we'll we'll pivot and go in this (laughs) direction or whatever and then you're like all right i'll deal with it but then when you look back at like the cumulative amount of pain in the ass factor right i got you then you're like would i do that again it's hard to say it's hard to say and i also need see now why like you see these companies on shark tank right you see like Uh, they because they love food companies on Shark Tank and of course I watch I've watched Shark Tank religiously from the beginning even when it was Dragon's Den it was on the BBC and I think it was originally a a Japanese show where they were pitching investors but um, you know they pitch them and they're like we need we need two million dollars for three percent share in our company or something crazy And you're like what And now I see why they need to get that many millions of dollars because I'm not doing that. I'm not getting investors and it costs a lot of money to to scale up and and make food, make nice quality food. I'm not making crap. You know what I mean? I'm making nice stuff. That's my thing. I cook nice food, so I'm going to make a nice food brand.
1: So are you finally seeing a return in your investment?
2: Uh, We are, let, let me put it this way. We are profitable in the sense that we make enough, we're enough in the black that we're not going into the red. Does that make sense? But, yes. But would we, but is that meat, make it profitable? Not yet.
1: So there's because just a slim margin. There's what you're saying. It,
2: a very slim margin. And when we go into grocery, what I'm learning is that the, the directed consumer purchases are basically going to float the grocery efforts. But in order to get it into grocery, we kind of got to... That's that's where the the money's going back into it. So profitable, yes. Are we pocketing anything? No, probably not for five years.
1: Okay. So yeah. when are you uh, going to start the line of spices that we talked about?
2: The spices are coming out literally any, any week now. They're okay. supposed to be manufactured in the next four to six weeks, which means probably more like six to eight weeks. Okay. Because I want to... Uh, I want I want to do murder on um, the company that we're working with. Like I really, <laughs> I want to do murder on them. I no, it, it, listen. There's so many things and hiccups, and everybody's doing a lot of stuff right now. I get right. that food is having a huge thing, by the way. Food and uh, food ingenuity and food brands, CPG, consumer product goods. Packaged goods are, are having a, a renaissance right now. So any company that's in that business is slammed with people like me going, I want to do um, space mixes. And so it's it's coming. It's coming. And it's taking a while to get our organic certification, but we will get that. And that's what's taking so long.
1: The uh, guy I did a cooking show with in uh, 2012, I guess it was, He came up with his own line of spices, and his problem was not getting the spices made. It was getting it bottled and being able to do it because you could get the spice made in bulk. That was easy. Mm -hmm. It was just finding someone to package it and do it in a cost-effective way. And he was doing trade shows, basically, and... um, for a period of time, he was selling them out of little Ziploc bags because he couldn't find yeah. a bottler to bottle it effectively.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I realize in this business, in the CPG business, the consumer packaged goods or consumer, uh, well, I don't know what, I think it's consumer, I don't even know what CP, I just say CPG and I don't even really know what it stands for. You can tell how professional I am. But no, I, I feel like, 40 hours of conversations to figure out how to do something that seems like it would be really simple, like pouring spices into a jar. And then it turns out, okay, well, we, you know, we can do your spice mixes and get certified organic. Great. That's what I want. Um, Can you package it in this thing? No, we can't. We can only package it in the plastic things that we get. Okay. Well, My audience cares about sustainability, and they don't want to have plastic canisters. Right? They want something that's recyclable. We found this other thing from this other company. Can you fill it, Matt? No, we can't. Are you sure? Let me send it to you and see if you can. Okay. And then they're, they're like, Oh, it turns out we can fill it. Here's how much it'll be. Okay, that's not bad. Okay, now we need to get organic certified. Oh, you did? You didn't mention that. No, we did. We have the emails that said we wanted to be organic certified. Oh, okay, great. You know what I mean? It's
1: It's just back and forth. Yeah, it's
2: just it's chasing everybody around the room. And they have 400 other people like me that they're trying to service who, you know, and I get it. And so it's a very interesting thing. And uh, ultimately, they've made a wonderful product and their R&D department's amazing. That that took a while right there because I have to send them. Here's my taco seasoning seasoning recipe for my first book. They have to scale it up because they don't take teaspoons and tablespoons. Oh, okay. They wind up doing it by weight and by volume. So if it's one tablespoon of chili powder per pound of meat, well, first of all, chili powder is not a real thing. Chili powder is a mixture of uh, cayenne or different kinds of chilies, garlic powder, and cumin. Okay. But it's been marketed to us in the grocery store as chili powder, Right. Right. And even though technically the words chili powder should mean it's just ground down chili, right? You would assume that, yeah. It's it's actually an amalgamation of other spices. So if my recipe calls for something at the grocery store called chili powder that we're all familiar with, when it comes back from the spice R&D department, it's very spicy because they're like, it's cumin. I mean, I'm sorry, it's cayenne. And I was like, hold on, what's going on? So we had to go back and forth and get the formulation to where it tastes like if somebody made it at home with my recipe
1: oh interesting
2: yeah it was it was a very big and i found out that you're working with very fresh spices at the spice manufacturer and then by the time things make it to the grocery store they're dulled down a little bit so when i'm cooking at home there are there the spices have been around for a while but when i'm tasting these ones fresh from the spice manufacturer the samples. They're like, whoo, you know what I mean? I have, it's So it's finding that balance.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I learned because I did not realize that the pepper that I have on my counter, if you buy it in the tin can, it, the difference between that and fresh ground pepper is just a total difference because it's not fresh.
2: Perfect example. Perfect example. When it's fresh, you're like, oh, that's peppery. Right. Yeah.
1: And, mm-hmm. um that's all I eat now is fresh ground pepper, but again, like you said, it does right. get and and there are um best buy use dates on seasonings, but most people yes. don't know that um that's why when uh, you go through Grandma's you look, cabinet, you find this stuff from exactly. thirty years ago
2: yep that uh, you do, and you're like, what's the, oh this look at this old McCormick packaging yeah. um and, and you see it and then it says expired, you know. Nineteen ninety-seven, allspice. was <laughs> like, well, that's the last time she baked pumpkin pie, so that's right. why you're not going to don't eat that. It, it's not bad, but it's not good either.
1: Yeah, it's not going to it's not going to help you any. Um, no. So, so with all this going on, are you still performing other than the NBC voiceover stuff?
2: I I, I am doing tons of voiceover, but no, I'm not. I'm not doing any uh, live stage shows right now. No. Where's no time? I got no time. My live stage shows are going to be going from grocery store to grocery store in Southern California demoing.
0: <laughs> are you going to start
2: charging
1: that. the audience for it or what?
2: I'm going to have to start coming up with a lot of tomato sauce jokes. So if you could get on that for me, that would be great. I need help. I need a, I need some really punchy marinara based jokes.
1: Gotcha. So um, his live theater opened back up in uh, in your area yet?
2: I think it has, because I I did some concert promotions for stuff, like for large musical acts. So I think stuff is open. I mean, I know that that comedy stuff is opening up.
1: Because here, I actually went to my first performance last week at the uh, local theater that we have in this area. And my son happened to be the lead. That's why I was there. Nice. But it was a nice crowd. He was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the musical Xanadu.
2: uh do. That one from yeah. Olivia
1: Newton-John? Well, that's the movie. There's actually... The stage play is a parody of the movie.
2: Oh, my God. Because amazing. the
1: movie is so bad. <laughs> that Why not
2: make an amazing play out of they it? They
1: made a great musical, and the music is from Jeff Lynne of ELO. So they took a bad movie, took a wonderful wow. sound score, threw it together, and he did it... On roller skates, which was even better. And the girl that played that he played off of, who was the female lead, she was on skates for the whole performance.
2: Wow, that's some skill.
1: Yeah, um, it, it was interesting, but it was it was fantastic. It really was. It was very enjoyable. And then we're going to be seeing the Sound of Music in two weeks. That he's in that also. Nice. So well, yeah. he's
2: just doing all kinds of shows and rep. That's that's pretty good.
1: Well, he's tr- he's trying. He has one more year left before he graduates, so he's uh, trying to figure out what he's doing since well, the last time. Actually, when we talked after COVID started, the whole theater world was on its ear, and I mentioned to you then that yeah. he was looking rethinking his career choice because he didn't think he was going to have one.
2: Well, now that it's coming back, um, it might might be a good time to stick it out because I bet there's a lot of people who are like, ah. Eh. I'm not
1: going to do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not,
2: get, get in on the ground floor, you know?
1: But, uh, yeah, so he, he's having fun doing that, and it's nice being able to get out and actually see people again without masks, because now I recognize who they are.
2: Well, that is true. I, I always felt bad, and I know that people like can't recognize anybody
1: when, when the mask is involved. Well, in some places, that's a good situation, especially if you don't like the other person. <laughs> they did not talked to him. Um, and I was there was a few people that I've seen in the past that I was mouthing really nasty things at them too, but they couldn't tell. So. <laughs>
2: That's is that that's, is that passive aggressive? Is this behind uh, yeah,
1: you you can look and look like you're smiling just and just tell aggressive? them to go something themselves. But anyhow, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes it much much easier. So, another question for you: How is the the vaccination rollout going in California?
2: Uh, I think in Santa Barbara County, it's up to like sixty five percent.
1: That's awesome.
2: Maybe hold on you know what I'm gonna Google it while we talk uh, it's it's a uh, it's a different vibe here than from what I've heard from my friends in Atlanta from what I've heard from my friends in the middle in the middle so what what's the vibe in Pennsylvania well the vibe PA? here
1: in Western PA actually was pretty good if we were actually in my county we were up to uh, sixty I think she said sixty five percent and the reason I say she is my wife was actually the one that created the task force along oh, cool. with the local hospital, to actually get it up and running in uh, last last December. And they vaccinated thousands of people in a short period of time, which was fantastic. The only problem is now we've reached the point where we have people that still have not been vaccinated. We have kids between the ages of 12 and 18 that haven't been vaccinated, mm. and they go back to school in two months
2: yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with all that.
1: Yeah. And be- I mean,
2: listen, the vaccination to me was a no brainer. Right. I I, i am in two professions, <laughs> c- cooking and tasting food and speaking where I don't. In fact, three weeks ago, I caught a uh, cold, which turned into a bronchitis. Mm-hmm. And my daughter came home from the the plane, she she got off the plane she said i have a sore throat and two days later she was totally fine then i had the sore throat and it devolved into a complete disaster and i went to urgent care and got a steroid shot because i have to speak for my job right and um and then uh it went to the chest and it was a mess and i just wanted to make sure it didn't turn into pneumonia or anything but i realized i was like wow this is this was a cold it with a swab for flu it wasn't bad, and it wasn't strep and it wasn't covid and by the way they said that we have to do a covid test because we actually don't know exactly how things are presenting in people who've been vaccinated so i was like no of course i want to know too you know right and it wasn't covid and it was just it was basically a common cold that turned into a bronchial infection and i realized i was like i am not Cut out for
0: this, (laughs) and that's
2: exactly why I got vaccinated. I am a weenie, and I would rather take my twenty-four hours of uncomfortability after the second shot than to have to uh, get what. And my friends who have had COVID, I have so many friends with long hauler symptoms, and they're a mess. Yeah, and I, I I don't want to mess with it.
1: Yeah, Um, I for after my first one didn't notice anything. After the second one, I was tired for a bit, and that was it. So, oh,
2: that's
1: good. Yeah, I was I was lucky. Now, my kids, all three of them got it. And my oldest, he was down after the second. The second one was OK. And my daughter was down um, for a couple of days after the second shot. So everybody in my house has been vaccinated. And actually, everybody within our immediate family, other than the kids under the age of 12, have all been vaccinated. So we could actually be around each other. But again, like you said, we don't know how it's going to present when you're vaccinated. And the thing that I worry about, I go into a major retailer without a mask on and I'm afraid to cough. Because I'm afraid that I someone's know, going have, to look at I me and go.
2: Allergies and yeah. stuff, and I'm like, don't cough, don't cough, don't cough. <laughs> you don't want to scare the people. <laughs>
1: don't cough. I was. I at, know. I agree. I was at Heinz Field last week in Pittsburgh for they did a the CLO did a, a event where they um, did a outdoor performance of The Wizard of Oz, which was unique in itself because it was outside in the middle of Heinz Field. And we go in and I'm allergic to perfume. There was a woman that was near us that set me off Mm -hmm. and I just started sneezing. And my wife just looked at me and she said, can you stop? I said, no. And I had people standing there looking at me like I was sick.
2: I got to say, that's why I like wearing the mask. Because if you had to cough or sneeze, at least you were wearing a mask and you felt like it was intercepting your.
1: Yeah, but it was really gross after a while.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but also, too, like, why do people have to wear incredible amounts of perfume or cologne or body wash or whatever it is that's going on? Why? Do people not realize that everybody can smell it around them? I think that's that you, what they're hoping you for. You smell it once you put it on. You don't smell it anymore.
1: I think that's what they're hoping for is that everybody does smell it.
2: And that they all pass out? <laughs> and then why? What, what are you going to do? You're going to... Lift their wallets out of their pocket. Like what? Why?
1: Um, I've I've always had that issue, and my wife doesn't wear any. Thank God. Um, but yeah, it 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 just it just drives me crazy. But I guess uh, I'm I'm not the normal from what I've been told because a lot of other people have no problem with it.
2: I can't stand it. I think I don't know. But part of the part of that sense of of smell uh, uh, makes you have a very good palate. But well, the downside is things like perfume and cologne are like uh-huh. or like a bad candle. <laughs> like <laughs> it drives me crazy. I I stopped wearing anything like that once I had a baby. I was like, I don't think it's right to like wear all these weird chemicals right. around a little tiny baby, and then I just never picked it back up. You don't need it.
1: Yeah. Every time I think of it, I think of my grandmother, um, when I was a kid, she was a heavy smoker and she wore Estalada. And again, imagine those two smells together. You'd go to her house and you'd smell like uh, an old lady that smoked for three days.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Smoking indoors. Yes. That was a thing. Smoking in airplanes, smoking in restaurants, smoking at wherever they could possibly smoke. There was a smoking section.
1: So you said your daughter traveled. She flew.
2: Yeah, she flew from New York. Back
1: to L.A. Did she have any issues with it?
2: No, she didn't have any issues. But she just said that the the, the airports were zoos. She went from JFK to LAX, and she said the airports were zoos, like just so crowded.
1: Because we've been hearing, at least I've been hearing on the news recently about these um air rage is what they're calling it. These people fighting with each other on the planes because of masks because the mandate yeah. is still there that they have to wear them.
2: I am, I, 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 yeah, I, I would imagine there's some pretty bad behavior out there. There was bad behavior before all of this. You think it's going to get better? No, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <not. laughs>
1: because I have no desire to fly. I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a desire to fly probably in 20 years.
2: Um, I, I don't know if anybody has a desire to fly, but I have a desire to go places. Does that make sense? Like, I wish I could just beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> like, right.
1: But with us, and I've convinced everybody in my family, I think that if I'm going anywhere, I'm driving myself.
2: Yeah, I I, I feel like what I would like to do is organize a uh, road trip grocery demo oh, tour fun. of the United States. And go do demos and hang out and have fun and see everybody you know from the podcast and just say hey, all right, tonight I'm in you know Amarillo right. today tonight I'm in Atlanta. Come on down, come to the grocery store. Hey, listen, it's a free place to hang out. Everybody needs to get their groceries, and uh, I'll sell some product and see the world. And I I feel like I am going to have to get on a plane in the fall because my daughter's graduating college and she has her final. Art show, her senior show. So I will, I will go do that.
1: Um, with you mentioning doing your your road trip, you can rent one of those RVs and put I know, the, be fun. put your face on the side of it.
2: That's right. I have to get a custom made Eat Happy Kitchen thing and, where I'm like smiling and like cooking some sauce.
1: I know, and, and and again, I know around here they did it. They did it at the major theaters in Pittsburgh that they would actually have professional chefs like uh, whoever on the food network would come into the local theaters and actually prepare food on stage as they did a demonstration discussion. And you could do that, do comedy and actually cook.
2: I know I thought about that. And uh, cause my husband and I do our dual act about marriage. And I was like, what if we did it where there's a, there's a, a, a kitchen on stage. And then we could just do the act and talk, and then I can just make food for the audience. Like, that would be fun, right?
1: I think it would be a blast.
2: I, and I'm not only cooking for one man, I'm cooking for an entire audience of people. And I'm like, wait a minute.
1: I'm so, creating more work for myself. So one, once everything gets rolling, have you looked about doing any of the uh, the celebrity cooking shows?
2: I have not. My my cooking show is my YouTube channel.
1: No, but I mean, you looking doing on someone else's. Oh, like doing something with Rachel Ray or doing something with Ellen or doing something like that.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, I would love to do that. Can Can you make it happen?
1: No, but I'm sure you know people that can. Um, because I mean, I'm I'm getting tired of the same people that are on on TV with that uh, with Kelly and Ryan every morning. So.
2: No. Well, yeah. They they they, you know, I would imagine they're always looking for stuff. I Listen, I'm happy to go. I've done plenty of live television and appearances and I would be I would love to. That would be worth flying to New York just to go to Regis and I say Regis still, but he's it's dead. Regis and Kelly. But it is Regis <laughs> and Kelly. In my no. heart it will always be Regis and Kathy well, Lee. I was going to so. say
1: it. Yeah. She's drunk, he's dead. Anyhow. um
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: I, and you can also do like those morning TV programs that I'm sure they have in Los Angeles, those local ones where they're trying to be the Regis and Kathy.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I've done, I've done the local TV shows in Atlanta. It's very fun.
1: So yeah, you could you could do that. I mean, there you go. I need you need got... to
2: come to, to Pittsburgh and do it there.
1: And trust me, we have at least one you can do it on. Great. Yeah. I don't know if you'd want to subject yourself to it but we do have one.
2: You know what I did learn though when you do those things you basically have to bring obviously you have to bring ingredients and stuff with you but I had to bring like serving trays, cooking things did. They, they, yeah. it, it was I didn't ha- it was crazy. I was like oh this is luckily I was staying with my best friend in Atlanta and she had everything. So I was like pack up your kitchen. We have to take it to w-a-t-l or whatever
1: yeah which is amazing to me because you would assume that they had, they would have these guests on they would Mm -hmm. at least have Mm -hmm. something there for you to use but they don't no and and was the kitchen that you used a live kitchen or was it fake and you had to make it look like you were actually cooking
2: um i fake okay yeah i think I've done both I've had to do I have to go Speak at uh I actually know the one The one that I'm speaking at I'm not doing any Cooking they're not setting up again I'm speaking at Keto Las Vegas Expo Uh in October That one I'm not doing any cooking I'm just speaking But there was one before They got cancelled due to COVID hopefully i will be there Next June in Austin Um and there will be Cooking and, and it's basically a hot pad Like you get a hot yeah. pad so make it Happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I you know, I'm, I'm you sure you can control a hot pad just as well as you can a stove. Uh, right. Yeah.
2: But luckily a hot pad, I mean, I can heat up some things on a hot pad and just chop some stuff. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's always interesting like cuz when you watch as a layperson, you're like, "Oh, they're making something fun and that's great." And and you see everything pre-cut and pre-prepared because right. obviously it has to be a quick time for television. And then uh now when you know that they actually have those huge constraints, you're like, "Oh, no wonder. No wonder it's so weird looking. Like, you know what I mean? You know how it's like prepped and styled weird? By the way, that's one of my friend's jobs is she styles all the food for shows like that. Yes. For like extra or what, you know what I mean? Whatever shows that they're having, like the guest cele- guest celebrity people come and make their, like Bobby Flay is going to come and make the thing, right? Right. And so she styles all the stuff. So he just comes and chops some stuff up and then he's like, here it is. But it's my friend who did all the <laughs> the the prepping and the and she she literally does that job so I like, never history. knew that
1: you could have a career chopping someone else's vegetables
2: that's how she got into food styling that was one of her extra was one of her her first jobs years oh, wow. ago but she's done it for now for brands and for it's kind of a fascinating it's a fascinating thing and and I'm always like I wish I could take you with me i've only <laughs> I done need your
1: help. I've only done a handful of food demos. Now, of course, I wasn't demoing. I was the one talking while the chef was demoing because he couldn't do two things at one time. Um, and there was it's hard And there was one event um, because I would end up talking to the host, whoever was doing it. and there was one event we did in a local mall, and every time he started, we were making of all things, we were making dressing or stuffing for Thanksgiving. And every time we tried to get everything to heat up, we kept blowing the breaker in the mall. And it was very interesting. Luckily, he had some made beforehand, but went through all the ingredients and said, here, you put it in this like this. And then all of a sudden, by the magic of TV, we can pull it out and show it. But Mm -hmm. we were blowing breakers left and right. And we've had one demo in a small TV station. Where we set off the smoke alarms, and the sprinkler system went off uh, let,
0: <laughs> let's see oh
2: on live t v yeah it, well,
1: yes, it was live come to think of it um and then oh. uh it was a small local cable station that I actually uh am still affiliated with in some way, shape, and form, and we made spaghetti once um, and the ceiling tile in the studio which was radio we had cameras in the studio and the ceiling tile had that um, it was uh, acoustical paint and the steam was so hot that the acoustical paint was starting to fall off the ceiling and landing in the pot oh my god which was unique which we still feel was asbestos in some way shape or form but but the spaghetti was good
2: uh, <laughs> Just gave it that extra secret ingredient. Yes.
1: No. That was the, that was the that was the program where um, someone called in and or wrote in and requested that when they were a kid they used to uh, buy Kraft made a prepackaged spaghetti and spaghetti sauce, and all it was was the herbs and spices in a little bag, and you added tomato paste. And they didn't mm-hmm. know if you could still find it. Well, of course, I was able to find it. Brought it in and we made it and oh um, it was it was interesting it really was so um,
2: that, how did it wait you found it because they're still currently selling it or are still find it selling it was like vintage
1: food no store? they were still well it could have been vintage but it was new old stock I mean trust me the ingredients were so, solid as a rock in the package you had to beat them apart oh. to break them up Oh, but no they're still God. selling it they're that's, <laughs> that's super fun though I love that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't eat any of that stuff now. I miss carbs. No,
2: me neither. How, how's it going?
1: Well, as I how's told... How's my
2: friend in keto?
1: As I told Vinny um, after I talked to him in February, and he gave me a pep talk, and I don't think he realized he did it when I was interviewing him. He told me to try it again, except go full force. Don't drink anything other than coffee and water. And I said, fine, I can do it. And from February until last week of May or the first week of June, I dropped 30 pounds.
2: That's amazing.
1: And right now, as I told you the other day, I'm frustrated because I'm stuck.
2: (laughs) Well, that's a very, that's, that's, uh, it's okay to, to plateau that that's going to happen. So what do you, so tell me, what do you eat in a typical day?
1: A lot of meat. A lot of eggs Mm -hmm. and broccoli. Mm -hmm.
2: And what time do you eat and like how much do you eat?
1: Um, I usually eat, have eggs in the morning. Um, I have, uh, let's see, at noon, I don't really eat anything at noon because I eat a larger dinner around uh, 4, 4.30.
2: How many eggs do you eat in the morning?
1: Uh, Two to three.
2: And does that fill you up? Yeah. Because and you cook them in butter?
1: Of course.
2: Because I'm. I, to me, and you have a cup of coffee. Do you have a little cream in the coffee? No. Just black. black
1: coffee. Yeah.
2: To me, if I just had black coffee and two to three eggs in the morning, I would be starving by four p.m.
1: And okay, and and if. And at and, and noon, if I do get hungry, then I have um, – because I have nuts throughout the house, and I eat those.
2: For like a, a little snack? Yeah. You eat them throughout the day? I eat them throughout you the day. Them, eat, that could be an issue. Okay. Sna- the snacking thing could be an issue. I think it's better to try this. And here, I just saved you a consult with Vinny. Because yeah, because I way, can't, can't afford to talk to Vinny great. now. Uh, he's great, but uh, and I highly recommend it. But make – your breakfast uh-huh maybe add another egg okay to your breakfast even if you can if you you know I, a lot of us have trained ourselves and i'm included in this we've trained ourselves to not eat breakfast because we hear about the intermittent fasting and then we're like oh i'm not going to be as hungry in the morning so i'm going to save it for dinner gotcha but really you should actually consume more of it in the morning and in and in midday and now midday is tough because a lot of us who are working can't like sit down and make some like fancy lunch right right but if you could if you could then do a lunch and not snack on anything do a lunch an actual lunch don't have any snacks in between breakfast lunch and dinner try that for two weeks and see if that kick starts it okay because generally that will nuts have a tendency to make it we we don't we kind of just get let it get away from us. And if you snack all day, you never have the opportunity for your hormones to balance themselves, right? Okay. So you have to eat, get full. So you get the hormone signals that you're full. And then on the natural progression of things, you start to get hungry again around lunchtime. And then you eat, and then you get full. Hormones are released, so you don't want to eat again until around dinnertime. And when you're in dietary ketosis, sometimes you might even forget to eat. However, you, you will still – you'll be like, oh, wait, hold on. It's been five hours. And I actually – I do kind of feel hungry. But it's not like the kind of hangry right. that you used to feel, you know. Like if you went five hours without even a snack, you would really be hangry. So if you're in ketosis, that will shift. You will – you won't be a slave to like having to have snacks. Well, but the... I will say if you go for breakfast to dinner – you will be really, really hungry, so you well, probably need to fit a lunch in there.
1: The one thing that the one thing that's interesting about that, and and again, the snacks I throw in, and I don't do it all the time, but you're right, I forget to eat. Um, yeah, because well,
2: that's, that, that's a good thing. It means that
1: you're in ketosis. Um, and I'm, and I know I'm in ketosis right now. I was, I'll be honest, I was out last weekend because it was was the last weekend. No, it was the weekend before because it was my. Uh, let 's see my son 's birthday, my niece 's birthday, and my nephew 's birthday they 're all in the month of June, and I had a piece of cake, which was fantastic, so that yeah. threw me out in the middle of nowhere but
2: um, but yeah, you got to enjoy your life though
1: <laughs> I told my my birthday my fifty fifth is next week. And I told my wife, she says, so what do you want? And she says, I'm going to get you this. I said, no, no, no. I want the cake that we got, Andy. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I want my own. Everybody else can have another one. It was amazing. Um, and I'm not a big, bake good person, but this was fantastic. Um so, awesome. Yeah, but anyhow. But no, that's, that's where I am. And I'll be honest with you. I, the last time I did uh, keto, which was four years ago, and then... Fell off the bandwagon. I felt okay, but this time I honestly feel fantastic. Um it That's It's a good. totally different feeling than I had before.
2: What would you make for dinner? Like, what's a typical dinner?
1: Um, last night I had steak. Um, steak, broccoli, and um, I didn't How have less. prepare them last- the broccoli? What's that? I steam them the with butter. Okay. And a little bit of seasoning salt.
2: And and is the rib or what cut kind of steak are you eating?
1: Uh, whatever I find in the freezer. Uh, <laughs> actually, right. last is it,
2: fa- is it fatty enough? I guess. Yes,
1: it like, is like fatty. You, is
2: it a fatty or like a ribeye? Yes, a, yeah. yes, okay, it's good.
1: fatty enough. Um, but the other thing I have too, and I don't overdo it, is occasionally I throw mushrooms on it. So, yum. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. So that's that's been basically it. And again, I'm following it pretty much to a T. And um, I'm not going off. And again, I can feel the difference. I actually dropped, which drove my wife crazy. I dropped f- three waist sizes. Um, yeah. And two- uh, oh,
2: it, dr- it will drive every wife crazy because it, men take to it so much faster than well, women.
1: But it's not only and- that. When we go out to eat, I say, but I can't unless we go here, here, and here. And this is what I have to get.
2: Yeah. I, listen, I my husband always makes fun of me because I can, will order a burger, uh, no bun obviously. I'll order a burger patty, and then lately I, I haven't been doing the cheese, but I'll order a burger, add avocado, bacon, and mushroom if they have it. Oh, and that's literally what I eat anytime I go to a restaurant, no matter what kind of restaurant it is. You know what I mean? And because well, Asian restaurants are pretty much out. Young but guy, uh, no. I eat I eat that same thing over and over, and my husband's like, "Don't you get tired of eating burgers?" I'm like, "I don't." Luckily, I really love burgers, and it's you know what I mean with that stuff on it. To the, me, it's I it's my favorite. So
1: when we went to, um, and I don't know if you have the chain out there, but we have Red Robin here, and
2: I'm familiar with it. Yes,
1: and I can go in and I can get a bunless burger. Usually they wrap it lettuce. And I can get the mushroom Swiss patty. And then their big thing is it's all you can eat fries. So I don't get the fries. I get all you can eat broccoli. There's only so much broccoli you can eat.
2: That's. That's the beautiful thing about the human body—is that if you're feeding it real food, there's only so much. You yeah. Can eat. <laughs> uh, like, uh, when people say, "Like, I-, I have a parsnip puree," okay, for example, I make a cauliflower a cauliflower puree recipe, right? Yes. And it's to substitute, obviously, for mashed potatoes, right? Right. And then, you- and then people write to complain. I don't like cauliflower. Cruciferous vegetables smell like farts when you cook them. I'm like, okay, I- I- of course they do. I get it um let me come up with an alternative i make a parsnip puree recipe wonderful recipe super easy by the way all purees are easy you just boil the thing and then you smash it and put right. stuff in it and um so it's not like i'm you know reinventing the wheel or anything but so i, I post the parsnip puree well then the then the low carbers the keto people lose their mind parsnips they have more carbs i'm like well which is it do you want to eat the cauliflower mash or not, because you gotta, if you want to go super low carb, you gotta do the cauliflower mask. And I was like, and I thought about it, I was like, hold on, is eating parsnip puree what made all of us fat? No, it is not. No, I would, in fact, I would really like to interview the person who got fat from eating parsnips <laughs> because they don't exist.
1: Actually, that's. I no, love parsnips, parsnips
2: at Red yeah. Robin.
1: yeah. Um, my wife when and when my wife um, and I first started dating, her mother would do this, and she's from a very English family, as you would say, and they would do roast every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. and it would mm-hmm. have carrots, parsnips, and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And I learned to fall into, fall in love with parsnips at that time. Because I used to mix my parsnips and potatoes together because it gives a great texture. But now I can't eat potatoes. So,
2: Well, let me tell you. You can go to my website at com, and you can make the cauliflower mash, which is under the egg in a jar with cauliflower mash recipe. Or you can make the parsnip puree. They're both up there for free. Or in my cookbooks, Eat Happy and Eat Happy, too. Um, I I will never cease to make purees and mashes because... Let's be honest. It is the ultimate comfort food.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, um, and I've been known to eat a bowl said, of mashed potatoes that were made for four people, and I can eat them by myself. I haven't done that in a well, long time, but I've been and, known to and do it.
2: Hungry two hours later because you get that spike, that hormonal spike. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I will tell you, potatoes and rice and corn are all wonderful tasting. But if you can figure out something else and lose the weight, you you won't miss it as much. It's really about the yummy things you put into it, anyway.
1: Right. Um, the other thing that I've been able, and I didn't know I could do this, is I can hit a diner now and I can eat all the eggs I want, which is wonderful. Yeah. 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 Um, which again... And
2: we and we were told, if you eat eggs, you're going to get fat. You can't have the egg yolks. You're
1: and we were fat. told eggs were bad.
2: Oh my God. We were told so much BS.
1: I went to my mm-hmm. doctor's um, in May. He looked at me and he said, what happened? I said, what do you mean what happened? He goes, you lost all this weight. I said, well, I went back on keto, which he's familiar with it, but he's never tried it or known anybody. He said, so what right. are you eating? I told him, he goes, if it works, keep doing it. I said, okay.
2: I feel like doctors are finally changing their response to it because so many patients are coming in and the patients are educating the doctors. Yeah. If you think of medical school, doctors get maybe at maybe at the most two hours of nutrition training that's all always left up to the dietitians, and we can get into a whole other thing about how the dietitians have this whole set of rules that they have to do and and it's just not it wasn't at least 10 years ago when vinnie and i started the, the podcast it wasn't common knowledge that their atkins had its day in the 90s and then it kind of went away and so you know, there are a lot of people who are like doctors were telling me this is going to kill you. This is going to kill you. And then they come back with their blood work and their triglycerides are down. Yeah. They're getting off their type 2 diabetes medications, off of their high blood pressure medications, their cholesterol is down. Um, and and it, their stuff is changing. Inflammation markers are down. And the doctors are befuddled. And that now they're just like, well, I guess if it's working, it's working. <laughs> so,
1: well, well yeah, the interesting does, thing is. is after I talked to Vinny – And Vinny Vinny makes more sense than anybody I've ever talked to about it. And because we were looking at the diet prior to World War II, which Mm -hmm. was all pretty much natural. It was all cooked. You had meat. You had potatoes. You were using lard. You were using all this.
0: And Mm -hmm. I started
1: thinking about it. And I was somewhere with a group of people. And there was a nurse there who was a diabetic nurse. And she started questioning me. And I said, but look, look at what we used to eat, especially your mother and dad. Look at what they used to eat. When we started growing up, everything was prepackaged. If it came out of a box, that's what we ate. Well, that's not true. I said, no, my grandmother used used to have a can of bacon renderings or bacon lard on her counter that she would use to cook it. I said, It's good for us to do it because that's what our body is able to take and process. It can't take all the chemicals and everything else. And again, I was just throwing everything back that Vinny was telling me, and they just looked at me and said, you're right. Now, I don't know if I changed their mind or not, but at least I, I know where I'm coming from. I've always told this story, that people that don't use butter and you're using margarine, which, again, I love is now plant um plant-based product, is that margarine was not created for human consumption. It was created to make turkeys fat for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And margarine oh is God. one to two particles different than plastic. It's revolting. It's awful. I cannot you know, eat margarine now.
2: My grandmother's generation was that post-war, I mean, she had her kids in 40 and 43. Right. And so by the time that, you know, it was the late 40s, early 50s when convenience foods were starting to hit the market and then really by like mid to late 50s when my mom was a teenager, all the, my, my grandmother was the target housewife for all these convenience foods and she bought into it hook, line, and sinker and it was interesting because, you know, that line of my family is they're all naturally kind of thin. Like my grandparents didn't exercise. they didn't go for jogs or like lift weights. Um they were active, they did things. they went bowling, and my grandfather was a woodworker, and they like, they were doing things, but they were not you know they they just didn't have to watch their weight. My mom never had to watch her weight. And even on my dad's side of the family, and they're all Italian, and my grandparents came over from Italy, it was it was just different it was different it was the way that things were cooked so you could have some pasta and some potatoes back then because you were making everything fresh right you know and something has changed and it can, and it was passed along to my mom who was a single mom and was working you know however many jobs and then i it it became convenience foods instead of learning how to make fresh foods and uh, and and by the way fast food plays a big part in it I was the kid who grew up in McDonald's, you know, and also to McDonald's. When we were kids, they used beef tallow to fry their fries. Yes. And now it's peanut oil and Mm -hmm. other inflammatory seed oil. The seed oils are a big deal in the restaurant business and they are poison. They just are poison. There's no way to avoid them. If you're going to go to a restaurant, which we all love our restaurants, you're going to eat even at the high end restaurants. You're going to get seed oils, but they are inflammatory no two ways about it so you just have to know what you're getting into but it just it wasn't that way before and that's why you know i think with my grandparents discovering have putting parquet on their corn on the cob yes you know they they were just a different generation where they didn't come up eating all this stuff so that when they ate it towards the end of their life it wasn't going to do any. you know what i mean like oh well, i got they, you they i got you
1: because I'm, I'm in the same boat, and, and uh, they used to eat before parquet or margarine. They called it oleo, and my grandmother still called oleo. it oleo up until her death in early 2000s. But, again, you're right. And the funny thing is, is when you try to tell somebody, especially someone born after 1980, and telling him that fast food was actually healthier in the 60s and early 70s than That's it great. is now, they look at you and think you're crazy. They Yeah, it's
2: yeah. Because it and, was and,
1: two different well, things. Because,
2: yeah, it was two different things. And, like, did you ever see Super Size Me, that Morgan Spurlock Yes, thing? I did. Where he, it, where he put the, what was it, was it a quarter pounder or a cheeseburger? He put it in the dome, and it just never. Never
1: just disintegrated, yeah.
2: Never, just, it never got moldy.
1: Yeah. And you can do that with fries, cool. too. But the the consisting of, which yesterday I think was National Friday, come to think of it that um you I feel could like put
2: National Friday should occur on a Friday.
1: I agree. But I'm sure it does every so many years. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I still I still in my heart of hearts and I don't tell this to Vinny and don't tell him this next time you talk to him. I still in my heart of hearts feel like if you take a potato out of the earth, like those beautiful new potatoes that are at my farm stand down the street, I live I live in such an agricultural yes. Bountiful area. If you take those new potatoes and you cut them up and you roast them in the oven, mm-hmm. it's it's not the same as eating the bottomless fries from Red Robin. Of course it just not. It not And so I, I to my, to, in my opinion, I go, and I don't. I still don't eat them. However, I still, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I bet it's still. I bet it's not that bad because it's fresh out of the ground. But that's me. I I have no science backing it up. That's just me going. I just can't believe something grown so freshly could be so bad
1: for you. You know, this past spring, my wife said, "Because we've been talking about moving for the last ten years, <laughs> we haven't moved." And yeah. pro- and housing well, prices and housing prices in this area have gone through the roof. And we own the house that I'm in. I'm eight years from retirement. I don't want to start over again. So we're doing different rooms in the house. So she decided we're going to go out and finally buy new appliances. Fine. I don't have a problem with it. Let's go get you where you want. She bought an oven that is internet capable that she can program from anywhere from her phone, Mm -hmm. which I'm going, I don't know why you need that. But it also has a built-in, it has a convection oven, a conventional oven, and an Mm -hmm. air fryer. Mm. I didn't know you could do that in the oven and what you can make with it I not know
2: you could it, do an air fryer in the oven either I wonder if I can do that in mine
1: and what you can do it has a little fan in it it air fries it's wonderful so again going back to your potato concept if I cut them up put a little butter with them can I air fry them and st- would they still be bad for me
2: I think the only way to know is do it is if, if, if well, it, well <laughs> do it yeah just do it No, the only way to know is to do it but also to take your your prick your finger and do your blood work right after okay or or here's how you know you're losing weight on keto and then if you try to reintroduce this thing if you stop losing weight then you know hormonally I gotcha. it's, it's you know what I mean I got gotcha. you if you did it every now and then probably wouldn't have any effect
1: because honestly, I, yeah because
2: out of the earth But it's like, it's like when you, it's when you do that, a little thing every two days like that, you're going to, you're going to definitely screw yourself over.
1: Which it honestly, after thinking about what I'd have to do that, it's a lot of work anyhow. So I wouldn't do it every two days.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's too much, too much.
1: I don't like peeling potatoes. But anyhow, um, I just eat my potato with everything the skin on
2: it. On? Isn't the skin where the nutrients are? That's By the what, way, that's my grandmother talking. I don't know. I don't even know if the skin is where the nutrients
1: are. I, I'm the only kid I knew whenever we'd go out to dinner, there would be a potato on the plate. My mother said, You have to eat all of it. And I would. I'd eat every bit of that potato.
2: I love the potato skins.
1: Yeah. So. Do you remember
2: potato skins? Just the skins, and then they would put all the crap in it.
1: So good. Like at bars. <laughs> At TGI Fridays, if I remember correctly.
2: That's, uh, yes, and it's probably filled with, like, garbage quality stuff. Oh, it was. Like cheese made from plastic. But I do, I make now, I do that same version, but with zucchini boats.
1: Oh, I love and zucchini. It, and
2: it's, it's really good. It's
1: um, really good.
2: Because it's about the stuff in the middle, let's be honest.
1: Oh, yeah. I But I, I love zucchini. I love fried zucchini, which I can't say that too, too loud. But um, around here... That's what we uh, we eat. You can every do August. It.
2: You can do it. You you got to get those crushed up pork rinds and you do an egg wash and yes. you dab them in the crushed up pork rinds and you can do it. I have done it. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that and I'm going to I'm going to post that as a recipe. But
1: but my question is, how often can you eat pork rinds? Because I can do it for a while and then I can't eat them again.
2: Um, I only eat pork rinds crushed up and inside of like I'll put them in my meatballs in place of I used to use almond flour, but now I kinda cut that out too.
0: Okay.
2: Uh I put them in meatballs or I'll I'll use pork rinds crushed up with a little bit of flax meal and do like if you're doing a chicken parm coating, um, I will use the pork rinds for that. I cannot stand I, I have a pork rind pizza crust, that's amazing, that's on my site. And I cannot stand pork rinds. They make me gag, they're disgusting. However, cooked into things, they're, they it's like they lose whatever it is that grosses me out. And by the way, I love bacon. I love meat. I just hate pork rinds.
1: I love pork rinds when they melt in your mouth. But anyhow, <laughs> 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 um, that's
2: professional, right? When you that's your reaction to food. Yeah, pork rind. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the I'm the uh, pork rind pizza crusts, and I and I've watched I've watched you. Uh, I've watched you make it, and I haven't had enough guts to try it myself.
2: Try it; it's really easy. Um,
1: so I, I've watched you. That another thing before I let you go, because I'm having too much fun right now, is your your books "Eat Happy" and "Eat Happy Too." I know that they're basically. Um, oh heck! I just lost the word
2: keto. Keto. Time
1: gluten-free yeah. stuff like They're that All
2: gluten-free yes
1: have you thought about just doing a straight keto cookbook
2: um everything in the eat happy books are keto except for the dessert chapter so okay you, it's all it's all good to go
1: okay because yeah. i was out the other day and i kept seeing these keto cookbooks And of course, I don't buy anything if I don't know who the author is or not familiar with the author. I
2: agree. I agree.
1: Because I'm looking at some of this stuff that they're using as ingredients going, this doesn't look keto friendly to me.
2: Here's the thing. I'm going to clear something up. This is what drives me crazy about keto. And by the way, I am so careful I didn't put the word keto on my cookbook because... In my desserts chapter, I use real sugar because when I think it's time to make a treat, I want you to make something made with real food. That's how into real food I am. Yes. That I will I, That I will sacrifice my ratings on Amazon because everybody believes diet should be completely binary, and I don't believe that. I know that Vinny and I are very much – the reason why you like hearing from Vinny is because he can explain it in regular layman's terms. And the reason why people like me is because I'm making just real food that tastes good. And, 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 and I like that. We're both a voice of reason in this diet obsessed insanity. And by the way, I came from a very much diet mentality was a ballerina for 14 years, counted every gram of every calorie of everything. And it's crazy making, and we have much more things to do in the world than just counting our stupid carb grams. So, making eat happy it's a real food cookbook if you want to eat a fatty cut of meat flip to the meat section and make something with that flip to the stew section and make a stew with the thing um if you want leafy greens go to the green section make it there's there's bacon broccoli there's uh, roasted brussels sprouts there's uh, all sorts of things that you can eat on a keto diet the whole book is filled with it to be low carb alternatives so Where it gets confusing is, and I do a lot of clubhouses with the more mainstream keto community, where it gets confusing is that everybody's trying to do the substitutes. They're trying to have the allulose, the xylitol, the erythritol, the monk fruit sweetener, and everyone's trying to use these artificial sweeteners to replace the things that they love. Make their coffee sweet, do a syrup on, on pancakes made out of pork rind crust. Like, it's insanity. It's like... That's why our taste buds are so jacked up, because we continue to insist that I have to have pancakes and syrup going, this is not going to be sustainable. Eat bacon and eggs and then get off the sugar. If you have something sweet, it should be a piece of fruit or it should be I'm doing something special. It's my kid's birthday and I'm going to enjoy myself and make a real thing with real
0: ingredients.
2: And so, I, so that's what drives me crazy when you see these keto things and they're, they have all these things of like these weird flowers and fake sugars and they're telling you how to make a waffle with it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. A waffle is not keto and it never will be keto. Right. You're just trying to have a workaround and it's not going to be sustainable. So long story short, I get back to this place of people take the action steps to lose the weight. They said, I did keto, but they never do the work. To figure out why they're addicted to eating waffles and pancakes and sugar and sweets in the coffee. They never do that work and then they wind up putting weight back on and then they say keto doesn't work. It's not sustainable. And I say it is a dual job. Yes, you have to take the action steps that Vinny talks about, right? But it's also going to be stuff's going to come up and stuff's going to like, you're going to be hit with this like, why do I have this uncontrollable craving for the bottomless fries at Red Robin? Well, there must be something going on, and you have to address the emotional component along with the physical component. And when you do both, that's when it's sustainable and people keep weight off. And they te- they generally tend to just kind of go to a real food solution anyway. It's hard to label it because labels are all misused, but that is why – that's kind of why I didn't feel comfortable using the keto name because I didn't want it to be appear as a fad. And I'm probably losing customers because of it, but I put low-carb and gluten-free on there. So there gotcha. you go. Long story. I know we're done.
1: Well, the one thing Vinny did tell me, and this is what really got me thinking about it, is he said, I can't drink anything else. I have to drink water, maybe a little bit yeah. of lemon, and coffee. Yeah. And because anytime you drink an artificial sweetener, you're tricking your brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I never thought of that before, but he made sense. Now, I did ask him one question, though. Is there a keto-friendly bill beer? He said, yes, scotch. I don't like yeah. scotch. I drink bourbon. It works out yeah. really well.
2: Yeah, bourbon, bourbon's fine. <laughs> you can have bourbon. Oh, I know.
1: Uh, trust me, I've been drinking a lot of it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, went, I was at the uh, liquor store the other day. My wife was with me. She said, didn't you buy one? I said, I'm not buying beer. I'm only buying this. She says, okay, you can buy it then.
2: I, so. I will say, so, yeah, we had somebody in the clubhouse the other day, because I do a clubhouse every Monday at, at 5 p.m. Pacific, for a check-in and I love hearing people's voices and having people participate and a guy said like I've been great I've been great but every day I have an IPA and I'm going that's the one thing that's literally like drinking liquid bread like you are yeah. you are gonna have to shake that see if you can do a bubble water or something that like gets gives you that feeling until you can shake but there are a couple things you're gonna have to shake and that's one of them fear is a yeah, you can't have- do it
1: I haven't had a
2: special beer, but yeah. like, you know, can't be like every day.
1: Haven't had one since January or February. So good for you. Yeah. So again, like I said, just, and
2: just you survived.
1: Oh, I, definitely. And trust me, I am, I am drinking, um, um, more, how do I want to put it? Uh, a, a better quality of bourbon now because of it.
2: Well, I guarantee you there's going to be a, 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 a CPG, manufacturer, a beverage manufacturer out there who will come up with some sort of keto beer and it will be absolute garbage trash. I agree. And it and it will probably make a bajillion trillion dollars. Yeah. So such is the world.
1: I was out the other day. Um, we went to dinner before my son's show. Um, a group of us and went to dinner and the, the waitress is getting everybody else beers. I said, no, I want bourbon and water. And she just looked at me and I said, no, I want bourbon and I want water. <laughs> Right. I said, because then it that don't way. I dilute
2: my bourbon with water, but I want a bourbon and I want a water.
1: Right. So, but that was it. And then, I mean, that's been my new thing now. So I, I've I've been pretty like I said, I feel wonderful. It's just that I want to get over this little hump. And I think with yeah, what you told you me today, this will do it.
2: Yes, you will. You'll do it.
1: And thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um <laughs> every time i talk every every time i talk to you it's like i can keep doing this if i just had guests like anne all the time
2: i know right unfortunately you you
1: know how hard it is to find guests that are entertaining and interesting um everybody wants to sell a book and every book they want to sell is god awful
2: (laughs) well good thing good thing this is the last episode
1: Yeah, right. That's going to happen. I'll probably be back in a month and a half. But anyhow,
2: (laughs) I bet you will. Yeah, I'm going to get an email from you in in a month going,
1: hey, can you come back? And you know what? I just may have you and Vinny on. That's entertaining enough.
2: We are very fun.
1: You are. I should have you all both on together.
2: Yeah absolutely which
1: which again it would be i want to have you and your husband on together that's who i want to have on
2: oh well, that would be we will definitely do that that'd be really fun
1: yeah we'll we'll, we'll think about that i i introduced yeah. that to you before and you never bid on it
2: i forgot oh okay i can't be expected to remember how to book your show bill
1: <laughs> well you got vinny for me
2: that's true i did <laughs> But that was because I felt bad because I had to cancel on you.
1: And I had to cancel on him, so it worked out in the end, though. Yeah,
2: I know. Karma.
1: <laughs> Anna, thank you very much. I really thank appreciate you, Bill. it. And I know thank we'll you, talk again you. soon.
2: Absolutely. You take care.
1: You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Anna Vecchino here online with Bill Alexander. Um, again. Is it the end? I don't know. Just suspending the program for a while. Just to let you guys know that uh, I will not be back for a while because I'm trying to re- recreate what's going on. I have a blast talking to her. And every time I do, she changes my mind because this is always so much fun. But anyhow, that's going to wrap it up for yours truly. Bill Alexander will hopefully talk to you some guy sometime in the future. But until then, you guys have a great one. Bye-bye. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production.
0: For more information, go to italknet.com. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to VisitWilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace yours. Here, Our waters are splashing
2: and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks
0: are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing Designer This or Designer That? Even Designer Furniture. On my social
1: feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it.
0: Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the Designer Prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or DesignerLooks.com.